Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Two for two. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Nicole Murray. On this Wednesday, January 24th, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Donald Trump has now won the first two nominating contests tightening his grip on the Republican race for president. At least one report says Hamas is willing to discuss a deal to release some Israeli hostages in exchange for a pause in fighting. In his first campaign event of the year, President Biden was heckled by pro-Palestinian demonstrators in Virginia. And how to find cheaper prices for expensive prescription drugs. So I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that medication here in the United States is not cheap, or this is just something that is weighing on a lot of Americans. 30% of Americans said they just haven't taken taken their prescribed medications at some point in the past year because of costs. Bailey Schultz at USA Today on how and where to shop for less expensive prescription drugs. Another step closer, former President Trump has captured the New Hampshire primary, dispatching lone rival Nikki Haley. Shortly after polls closed, he was declared the winner by about 55% to 44%. He's essentially gliding to the nomination after winning last night and in Iowa, though his courtroom woes will continue. And just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. And I could tell you five reasons why already. The results in the Granite State were not a disaster for Haley, and the former South Carolina governor promised to stay in the race, noting New Hampshire may be the first in the nation state, but not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. A little history note, Trump became the first Republican to sweep competitive votes in both Iowa and New Hampshire since 1976, when the two states cemented their status as the first nominating contests. Donald Trump wanted a big win in New Hampshire to effectively end the GOP presidential primary. Many Democrats we're rooting for the same thing. Here's why from Alex Thompson, national political reporter at Axios. Alex, explain. Yeah, so normally if you're the other party, you want this primary race to drag out as long as possible. Have them beat themselves bloody and spend all of their money. But, you know, Democrats actually, a lot of them, including many close to the Biden campaign, see an advantage in this primary being over early and the general election starting on Wednesday. And that's because they are suffering from a lack of enthusiasm among their base, including some divisions over Israel, over issues like Israel-Palestine. And basically, when you ask the Biden team, you know, how are these polls going to change, especially the polls that show him behind not just uh, President Trump, but former President Trump, but Nikki Haley as well, their answer is once Trump becomes the nominee, the base will come back. Basically, most voters don't realize that Trump is going to be on the top of the ticket again. And once they do, they are going to rally behind Democrats. They're going to give money. And essentially, like the, the key of the argument is that Donald Trump is the greatest organizer of Democrats in Democratic political history, at least recent history, better than Bill Clinton, better than Barack Obama. There's a reason why Joe Biden got more votes than any other Democrat in the history of, uh, of the country. Did you say the assumption is that most voters don't know that Trump is likely to be at the top of the ballot? So the Biden campaign actually has internal data. They have not showed us 
you know, the, the crosstabs here, but it's not all voters, but they are saying that the key voters to this election, which basically comes down to a few million undecided people in those swing states. So when you grill down on those voters, the undecided independent voters, the Biden campaign argues that their data shows that they have not tuned into this election that's 10 months away and aren't really aware that Trump is going to be the nominee. Now, I can hear sort of the skepticism in your question. It's possible that their data is wrong. Okay. We're speaking with Alex Thompson, national political correspondent at Axios. His story is called Trump's Surprise Fan Club, Why Many Dems Want Him Winning Big in New Hampshire. What about the enthusiasm here among the bases, Alex? How does that factor in? Well, poll after poll uh, has shown that Trump's base is far more energized, far more excited about him being the nominee than Joe Biden. Um, you know, there was a recent poll by USA Today that came out earlier this month. There was another one that came out on NBC last November, and it made very clear that the vast majority of Biden supporters uh, you know, were motivated because they were trying to stop Trump, not because they wanted Biden. Um, and so the, the key to closing that gap, a lot of Democrats believe, is Trump becoming the nominee. Hmm. How do we make sense of the small donor money? You referenced that in the story. What do, what do we glean from that, if anything? Absolutely. I mean, Donald Trump has always been an incredibly successful fundraiser when it comes to small dollar donors. And, and that means basically donations under $200. Um, and, you know, you look at the percentage of his money that has come from those sorts of donors compared to his GOP rivals, um, it, it is a much greater share. Um, you also, when it comes to Joe Biden, so Joe Biden got in the race a little bit later, but he has less than half the number of uh, amount of money that's come from small donors to his campaign. Now, Joe Biden has far outraised um, President Trump, and part of that is because he is combined with the DNC. That means that he has much higher campaign contribution limits. Basically, anyone can cut a check for over $900,000, whereas the maximum for Trump right now is only a few thousand dollars. Hmm. And, you know, but that will change. If Trump is the nominee, then he can start fundraising with the RNC and basically can catch up very quickly. Thanks, Alex. Alex Thompson, national political reporter at Axios. On the Democratic side of things, President Biden also beat his challengers via a write-in campaign, defeating Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips and author Marianne Williamson last night in New Hampshire. Meantime, he battled repeated heckling from about a dozen pro-Palestinian protesters in his first major campaign rally of 2024. Biden appearing with Vice President Kamala Harris and their spouses at a rally in Manassas, Virginia, was called Genocide Joe by one shouting protester as he tried to speak about abortion rights. Joe and I had a chance to sit down. His supporters tried to drown out the protesters with chants of four more years. Biden was interrupted from his opening remarks and then every couple of minutes until he finished. The event came as most polls show Biden tied or narrowly trailing in an expected rematch with Donald Trump. For Democrats who have struggled with Biden's low approval ratings and frustration over inflation, abortion has been a clear rallying cry, bringing out voters in off-year elections around the country. 
Ever feel like your finance software just isn't cutting it anymore? I say dump it. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, here to tell you about Ramp. It's the financial software you need to manage your expenses and avoid unnecessary work. You see, Ramp is more than a corporate card. It's a spending management software. It'll save you time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives your finance teams control and insight. You can issue a card to each employee with specific limits and automated expense reports. Ramp will systematically collect receipts and categorize expenses in real time. Just go to ramp.com slash Gordon. No more chasing down receipts or long hours on reports. Businesses using Ramp save an average of 5% in their first year. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Ramp.com slash Gordon. That's R-A-M-P dot com slash Gordon. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. Get $250 when you join Ramp. Ramp.com slash Gordon. Glad you could be with us. Welcome into Wednesday. The Pentagon says the U.S. military has struck targets in Iraq in retaliation for attacks Iranian-backed militias have been launching against U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria. U.S. Central Command said in a statement yesterday that the strikes targeted KH headquarters, storage, and training locations for rocket, missile, and one-way attack UAV capabilities. Pentagon spokesman Major General Pat Ryder. We are not at war in the Middle East. Clearly, there are significant tensions in the Middle East. And again, we're working closely with allies and partners to de-escalate and reduce those tensions where we can. The larger-scale attack on U.S. forces Saturday that triggered the latest retaliatory strikes in western Iraq occurred against al-Assad Air Base. The Pentagon says multiple ballistic missiles and rockets were used in that attack. Most of the projectiles were intercepted by air defenses, but a few got through, and there was some structural damage to non-critical facilities. The Pentagon says four service members were evaluated for traumatic brain injuries, but have since returned to duty, and one Iraqi soldier was wounded. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning. Here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Donald Trump has defeated former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley in New Hampshire's Republican presidential primary yesterday. The Associate Press reports Trump received 55% of the votes, Haley with 44%. The former U.N. Ambassador vows the race is far from over. Trump after the win. She was up and I said, wow, she's doing... uh like a speech like she won. She didn't win, she lost. Nevada and the Virgin Islands will hold their caucuses on February 8th, and South Carolina holds its Republican primary on February 24th. Number two. President Biden called for the restoration of abortion rights at his first 2024 major campaign rally in Virginia yesterday. Biden called on Democrats to help and urged voters to reelect him for a second term so he can work to reinstate rights that will save women's lives across the country. Today's a day to call to action with your voice, with your power, with your vote. We can restore the protections that have been around for over 50 years under Roe v. Wade. The speech, however, was interrupted by dozens of pro-Palestinian protesters vocalizing their disapproval of the U.S.'s support for Israel in its war against Hamas in Gaza. Number three. Authorities say the motive behind the killing spree that took place over two days in Joliet, Illinois, remains unknown. 23-year-old Romeo Nance allegedly killed eight people and shot nine before authorities found him dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound in Texas. Joliet Police Chief Bill Evans. We can't get inside his head. Uh, we just don't have any... Uh, any clue as to why he did what he did. Police say it's unclear why Nance ended up in Texas. 
Authorities are searching for two dangerous inmates who were discovered missing from an Arkansas detention center yesterday morning. Authorities say Jatonia Bryan and Noah Rausch are dangerous and should only be approached by law enforcement. According to a press release, Bryan is 5'11", black and weighs approximately 145 pounds. Rausch is 6'2", white, approximately 180 pounds, and has a scar on the right side of his head. A California husband innocently ordered McDonald's for his family of five. It wasn't until the order arrived that he realized he accidentally ordered 200 chicken McNuggets. The delivery driver said it was the biggest order he ever had. All right, important question for you here. Uh With your chicken McNuggets, ketchup or barbecue sauce? Sweet and sour. Fine. That's fine. As long as it's not ketchup. As long as it's not ketchup. (laughs) Prescription drug prices are weighing down Americans. The U.S. per capita pharmaceutical spending was more than $1,400 per person in 2022, higher than any peer nation. What can we do from Bailey Schultz, consumer news reporter at USA Today? Bailey, help us out. Yeah, so I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that... uh Yeah, medication here in the United States is not cheap, where this is just something that is weighing on a lot of Americans. Um, I referenced a study in my report that found about 30% of Americans said they just haven't taken their prescribed medications at some point in the past year because of costs. So some people are just skipping their medication, some people are opting for, um, yeah, lower doses or over-the-counter drugs. So this is a a real issue that's affecting a lot of people. Boy, I I, I can't even begin to maybe comprehend like the cascading effect of ignoring medication or cutting a pill to try to stretch out you know your 30-day supply or something like that and just the other problems that could cause which might lead you to get put on other medications that you can't afford yeah no no it's a real issue that i think a lot of people in this country are familiar with unfortunately yeah all right so uh what is it that we can do you referenced a program like it Costco, obviously the Amazon's got one. Mark Cuban has a thing going. What do we do here? Yeah, so I think the answer really depends on a few factors, like whether or not you have insurance or or good insurance with kind of what your deductible looks like. But um, especially for people who are not insured, and especially if you're taking some sort of generic drug, um, studies are showing that you can often save quite a bit of money um, just by changing up uh, kind of the pharmacy that you're going to for these drugs. Okay, meaning what? Are they like just choose any other pharmacy? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times um, these online pharmacies are often a good bet for you just because they kind of cut out the middleman that that some of these brick and mortar pharmacies have to go through that those costs end up being passed along to the the patient, the consumer. So um, yeah, looking around at some of those online pharmacies can often save you quite a bit of costs. Um, I know that yeah, a lot of studies look at the Mark Cuban's cost plus drugs. The thing there is that oftentimes these online pharmacies don't carry as many prescription drugs as those brick and mortar. So mm. this is something that will work for a number of people if you're taking specific medication and especially that generic medication. But for some people, if you have to take a, per- a certain prescription and it's not included in these online pharmacies, you might just have to continue to go through um, the pharmacy that you're currently working with. Wow. We're speaking with Bailey Schultz, consumer news reporter at USA Today. Her story is about how to look for a deal on that expensive prescription drug you're taking. Uh, so back up just a second because you touched on it a bit. Are you are you more likely to benefit here if you're uninsured versus insured or, or both groups can benefit? 
Yeah, that was one of the surprising things where there were some studies that found that even for people with insurance, sometimes these online pharmacies were able to save them money. Um, kind of depends on, on what your copay is, what your deductible looks like, but even for people with insurance, sometimes it's worth shopping around, looking at the deals you can find through other pharmacies. Thanks, Bailey. Bailey Schultz, consumer news reporter at USA Today. Edgy, smart, bringing you what you need to know. This is America's First News, this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Wednesday, January 24. Gordon Deal with Nicole Murray. Some of our top stories and headlines. Trump wins the New Hampshire primary, but Haley hasn't dropped out. Biden heckled during a campaign stop in Virginia. The U.S. makes retaliatory strikes in Iraq against groups backed by Iran. Netflix shares popped after hours after news had added new customers at a rapid pace. Newest members of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer. The Washington Post says soaring demand for mezcal is draining Mexico of its wild agave. And the volunteers who scarf bomb Pittsburgh. That story in about 20 minutes. The U.S. inflation news has been somewhat better lately, but the Federal Reserve should resist the temptation to lower interest rates too soon. So says Peter Morisi, economist and professor emeritus of business at the University of Maryland. Peter, your take. The economy is already slowing, but it's not going into a recession. And prices have come down, but, excuse me, inflation has come down, but not to the level that we need it to be. I mean, you know, core inflation is still near 4%, and headline inflation is still near 3 uh, we really need to make more progress. The history of these things has been, and Volcker made this mistake, just like his predecessors, is they eased back too soon. That is, they started cutting interest rates at the first sight of trouble in the economy, and then inflation reignited, and they had a bigger problem on their hands than they did before. All right, so explain that kind of in basic economic terms. The, the risk of cutting rates too soon brings back inflation potentially, but how? How does that work? Well, right now, if you look at consumer expectations, for example, as sampled by the conference board or the New York Fed, they're locking in at 3 to 4%. I mean, they haven't changed much in recent months, and no one really expects inflation to come down to 2%, except the Federal Reserve. Uh Mr. Mr. Powell says that, you know, consumer expectations are anchored. Yes, they are at 3%. Now, if you go into the next cycle with 3% as your baseline, as the economy heats up, you'll have an even bigger problem than you did the last time from too much demand and so forth. So instead of trying to harness inflation back down from 9%, you may be trying to harness it back down from 12 And if you think about the world as it is right now, a lot of the same things are building up. Last time we had COVID shutdowns, that affected people. Now we have problems on the high seas. The global transportation system is at risk. The, the Panama Canal doesn't have enough water. You can't get through the Suez Canal. Uh, trouble is heating up in Asia because of China's economic troubles. We could, we could have supply constraints again. Uh, global warming is, is affecting weather patterns in a way that are terribly unpredictable and severe. So that uh, if you put that together with too much demand, uh, you could be looking at double-digit inflation. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then having to take even more dramatic steps than you take would have to take if you just stayed the course now. We're speaking with Peter Morisi, economist and also professor emeritus of business at the University of Maryland. He's written an opinion piece for MarketWatch called The Fed Should Resist the Temptation to Lower Interest Rates Too Soon. Where do you stand on a recession? I don't believe we're headed for a recession, or if we are, if we do have one, it's going to be very mild. Uh, Consumers are showing exceptional resilience because the pace of jobs creation has slowed. If we haven't gone negative, we, we're not subtracting jobs from the economy. The unemployment rate is not going up to levels that are alarming or anything uh, like that. So my feeling is is that 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 we're okay. Also, the the credit markets and the stock markets are doing some loosening for the Fed already. I mean, Treasury rates were up near five percent several months ago. Now they're around four percent on the on the ten year. Uh, a strong stock market. Uh, is basically as a source of liquidity. Uh, it, it, it creates a wealth effect, which causes people to spend more money. Uh, so my feeling is is that, that, that this economy is already getting the support that it needs from the Fed. And, you know, we've looked at, uh, the, the IMF did this, it looked at inflation bounce in 100 different instances across many economies. And the common lesson was, Ease back too soon, and you get trouble down the road. Think of it this way. If you get a 10-day course of antibiotics because you have a chest infection, and you feel better after six days, and you stop taking the pills, what happens? The infection bounces back, and that's how inflation works, too. Thanks, Peter. Peter Maurice, economist and professor emeritus of business at the University of Maryland. It is time now for the Mic Drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, before we get into it, a warning that today's Mic Drop segment stinks. There's no way around it. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Let's start in the sky, where a passenger on a recent flight is claiming that a gassy passenger caused the pilot to turn the plane around and go back to the gate. This is alleged by a Reddit user who posted about the incident that they say happened on an American Airlines flight from Phoenix to Austin 10 days ago. The passenger says they heard an audibly disgruntled and maybe hungover man nearby causing a disturbance. And when other passengers confronted him, he was heard saying, you thought that was rude? Well, how about this smell? Before loudly passing gas in front of everyone. The man then defended his actions by comparing what he did to the other passenger's smelly food. The jabbing between the gassy passenger and the other flyers continued even causing the plane, which had left the gate and had been moving toward the runway for takeoff, to stop and return to the gate. The man was then asked to leave by the flight crew, which he did, and the rest of the flyers could then finally breathe fresher air and a sigh of relief. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Like, farts can do this? Like, cause a plane to turn turn around and go back to the gate? I don't think it was the gas in and of itself that caused the plane to turn around, but because he started fighting with passengers. You know, the jabbing back and forth, I think it got a little heated, and before they took off and had to deal with this in the skies, they said, you know what, we're going to turn around and kick this guy out because he's causing a problem. Yeah, that I can believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, It's hard for me to imagine that that, uh, multiple people gang up on one guy because he stinks. Right, right. That's something most people, I think, just complain to themselves about yeah and don't confront somebody else so yeah that his behavior part i can see is a reason to turn the plane around yeah yeah it was, it was jerky behavior more than anything all right seems like it. uh also um isn't it redundant to say um hungover and 
audibly disgruntled. <laughs> I, I guess right. so, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of times you're hungover, but not audibly disgruntled, right? Uh, oh, maybe, all right you, maybe. you just kind of sit there and, you know, you're, you're, out, you're out of it. Obviously, yeah. maybe you try and sleep on the plane or whatever. You don't have to make a big thing about it, make a big scene about okay. it if you're, if you're hungover. Okay. Maybe, maybe you drill down more on the, the word disgruntled. But if I'm hungover... <laughs> yes. I'm kind of like, you know, writhing in discomfort a little bit, maybe groaning uh, yes. before I get the Excedrin in me or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can all we can all be hungover and, and unhappy, but we don't have to be audibly, yeah. uh, you know, okay. disturb other people <laughs> about it. And we've heard for years about zoos that will name a gross insect after your ex, but that's not enough for some busted relationships. Now a Rhode Island animal shelter is offering jilted lovers and ex-friends the opportunity to have the target of their scorn's name buried in kitty litter. According to their website, for just a $5 donation, the shelter will write the name of an ex-friend or lover in a litter box to act as a target for their cats when nature calls. The promotion runs through Valentine's Day, and the shelter calls it a stinky retropution. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Very that, good. Very that's, good. That's a good one. I, I like this. I like Every year, it seems like we, we get another one of these, yeah. and they're kind of increasingly yes. more clever as we go along. This sounds like a fun one for sure. The question is, mm-hmm. and maybe our old colleague Jennifer Koshenka could answer it. I was just thinking that, yeah. Is the cat going to cooperate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. I don't, I don't, we don't get like uh, any kind of proof of this. I don't yeah. think, right? You give your five dollars. Yeah. They, you know, they they say they're going to do this, mm-hmm. but I don't think you get any kind of photographic proof or video. Yeah. So we don't know for sure how cooperative mm-hmm. the cats were. Well, the litter box is reasonably small enough where I would presume the, the target is close enough. I guess. Right. I mean, right, eventually right? it'll happen, right? And we don't know <laughs> yeah. exactly when. Right. Could be today. Could be next week. But it'll happen at some point. If you still have landline phone service, you may have noticed that your monthly bills have been skyrocketing. That's because the FCC no longer regulates copper lines and phone companies are jacking up the price of their service. UMA is an internet home phone service that lets you keep enjoying the safety and peace of mind of a home phone without paying an arm and a leg. In fact, with a one-time purchase of the UMA Tello, you get internet home phone service for free. All you pay are applicable taxes and fees. Unlike mobile phones, UMA has address-based 911, so dispatchers will know exactly where to find you in an emergency. In the event you call 911, UMA can send a text alert to loved ones. UMA even includes a free mobile app so you can take your home number on the go. And don't worry, you can keep your home phone number for a one-time fee or get a new one for free. Setup is easy. It takes less than 10 minutes. Stop paying too much for home phone service. Visit UMA.com slash Gordon Deal today to get a special discount. That's O-O-M-A dot com slash Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Here's something you may have noticed lately. Snoring can actually get worse in the winter. The mirror quotes experts who say this is because the air is generally drier during the colder months, which can cause congestion in the nose and throat. Try this hack. One particular exercise only takes 30 seconds and can lead to an impressive 59% reduction. I never heard this before. Martin Seely, sleep expert and CEO of Mattress Next Day, recommends snorers start adding a 30-second tongue exercise to their nighttime routine as strengthening the muscles could help reduce the condition. Simply close your mouth and move your tongue in one direction 10 times, then in another direction 10 times, and then in a third direction for the final round. Experts say snorers will get results after just three nights. 
Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Donald Trump has defeated former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley in New Hampshire's Republican presidential primary. The Associated Press reports Trump received 55% of the votes, Haley with 44. The former U.N. Ambassador vows she's not going anywhere. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. Nevada and the Virgin Islands hold their caucuses on February 8th, and South Carolina holds its Republican primary on February 24th. Number two. Secretary of Defense Lloyd J. Austin says the U.S. launched attacks in Iraq yesterday in retaliation for the strikes on U.S. forces by Iranian-backed militias that left four personnel with traumatic brain injuries. The assault hit three Hezbollah facilities with missile capabilities. Pentagon spokesman Major General Pat Ryder. Since January 11th, we've assessed, uh, we assessed that we've destroyed or degraded over 25 missile launch and deployment facilities, more than 20 missiles, uh, plus we've struck unmanned aerial vehicle, coastal radar, and air surveillance capabilities, as well as weapon storage areas with good effects. Meanwhile, the U.S. has carried out self-defense strikes in Yemen earlier this morning, targeting and destroying two Houthi anti-ship missiles that were preparing to launch. Officials say the rockets were aimed at commercial ships in the Southern Red Sea. Number three. California Governor Gavin Newsom declared a state of emergency in San Diego County yesterday after flash flooding stranded residents and caused massive damage. The state's Office of Emergency has opened shelters and sent rescue teams to assist those in need. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria is set to meet with city's leadership today to discuss next steps for recovery efforts. A Georgia man has been arrested for impersonating a police officer and attempting to arrest other law enforcement. Fox 5 Atlanta reports that Sean Brown was disrupting traffic when officers approached. Brown pulled out a metal badge, told the officers they were under arrest, and even read their Miranda rights. Brown is being charged with impersonating a police officer, obstruction, terroristic threats, and giving a false name. Other... Oscar nominations wreaked havoc yesterday. Oppenheimer with 13 nominations, Feminist Fantasy Poor Things with 11, and Barbie scoring eight. However, fans are furious. Dua Lipa's chart-topping single Dance the Night, written for the Barbie movie, was snubbed. Meanwhile, singles I'm Just Ken and What Was I Made For got nominated for Best Original Song. Fans are furious. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for being with us. For the last 10 years, Suzanne Volpe has embraced scarf bombing the 71 year old retiree who's been crocheting for the last five decades told good morning america that she started scarf bombing areas around harrisburg pennsylvania where she previously lived she launched the scarf bombardiers facebook group back in 2015 they collect scarves all year round then put tags on them so people know to take them the volunteers tie them on fences poles even bus shelters Today, Volpe and a team of volunteer members make, collect, and drop off anywhere from 25 to 50 scarves per outing around Pittsburgh. Volpe estimates she makes around 400 crocheted scarves each winter, as well as countless fleece scarves. The Bombardiers also receive many more scarf donations from people across the country. That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.